Hi, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Foot the Catholic. We are so glad that you are here. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you kind of know how it goes. We have three segments, about 20 minutes each, which leaves us to right around an hour's long worth of a show. Well, uh, Catherine and I, who is our co-host today, uh, sat down and we planned a normal three-segment show. In our first segment, we were going to talk about the new Johnny Football documentary. Uh, Catherine's a big Texas A&M fan. I'm not a fan of Johnny. So he, her and I have two very different uh, opinions about Johnny Football. Uh, and we end up milking that entire conversation. We have one segment today, guys. This is, this is the rarest occurrence in Fort the Catholic uh, land. We have one segment today because we talk about Johnny Football. We talk about um, how, how making mistakes, uh, yes, you deserve to be forgiven, but that doesn't mean it's always going to be forgotten. There might still be consequences for our actions. We talk about tribalism and rooting for people and how uh, sports, a lot of times, we root against people and how maybe we shouldn't be doing that in our faith. It's a very, very good conversation. Uh, Catherine and I kind of start uh, on very different positions and come to a, come to some sort of an agreement by the end. We hope that you enjoy this fun conversation about football, about forgiveness, about Texas, about <laughs> all sorts of things. Please enjoy the show. Hello there! And welcome to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Catherine Whitaker. Hello, Catherine. You didn't do your normal what's up. What, I, I was, didn't. I didn't. It took me a minute. I was like, are we starting the podcast? Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's thrown everybody off. We've been doing it for the last couple episodes. Thanks for listening. I appreciate that. Uh, I, you wouldn't have been surprised if you were a Listen, it's the been busy here, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> been busy. I got some kids going places. You do. We, we talked about... Uh, you know, the preparations for dropping all of your kids off in, in different places and, and, you know, starting high school and starting college and all this kind of stuff. And then, it, so it was very fun to watch. We, we did the episode and you were all positive about it. And like, I, I've, I gained a ton of like, <laughs> like people, like the avatar of you that follows you, like a bunch of like, you know. Uh, your age moms now follow me because of our last episode. It, it makes me very happy. Uh, I think they'll probably unfollow pretty soon if they haven't already because of the rest of the content that I share. But they loved you and they loved hearing you talk about your kids going back. And you talked about it so positively. So it was a little bit fun for me to watch like on your Instagram stories, you dropping off those kids and just falling apart because you were like, this is going to be great. And then every every video is just like, oh, my babies. <laughs> I'm still, the joy is still there. It's just hard. It is hard to let your kids go. Anybody that tells you that it's not is a big fat liar. I am, this sounds like a weird tangent, but I'm currently listening to a book called Talking to Strangers uh, oh, by Malcolm Gladwell. that's a great book. Super and good. Love that I'm, book. I'm in the chapter right now that's talking about how we all read facial expressions differently. Like, like if I did a mad face, you would know that I was mad, but like somebody from a different culture in a different country might mm -hmm. think that I was happy. You know what I mean? So you keep saying you're happy, but in every video you're crying. So it, like you might say you're joyful. It's just hard to read the joy on your face in those moments. <laughs> so you can be happy and sad in the same moment. And I didn't know what that felt like until I sent my kids out the door. So Allison, it comes. Not Allison. You're, you're Catherine. I, I I'm just, Catherine. I just learned over the last five years that I have more like more emotions than just happy or angry. And I've yeah. I've I now have like forty eight emotions, 
But I haven't figured Welcome. out how to have them at the same time. So this is a whole new ball game that you're trying to bring me into. Well, I didn't know that you could have them at the same time either. And then we are when our first one left. That's when I knew what it felt like to have your heart crushed and to burst with pride at the same time. And it and and it comes out in tears. I mean, there's maybe for some other people they laugh. I don't know, but for me, I cry. My kids are like, "Oh, here it comes," and when I'm like, "I'm so proud of you," like as I'm <laughs> hugging them, you know, it's just. But they know that it's uh, any any parent any if you've loved someone and sent them out the door onto a new season of life, you know what I'm talking about, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing to hold both. Um, it's it's almost like when someone passes away and there is the gratitude of having had them and the sadness of never seeing them again and they they happen at the same time. There's there's few moments in life I think when you have both and sending my kids out the door I had both. Sorry it came across as tears. I promise I was happy. I, I never heard a all, comparison of dropping your kids off at school as them dying before. I'm I hope Stop they listen it. to this. <laughs> You're Stop. dead to me. <laughs> We used to say that we were going to break their plates. Like when my kids were little, my dad used to joke that when we were going to leave the house, he said, well, I'm going to break your plate, which basically meant you can come back, but you can't stay because we don't have a plate for you. So when my kids were younger, they started hearing us say this and they got in middle school and one of my kids looked at me and he said, mom, are you really going to break my plate? And I said, no, it's like a figure of speech. They were worried. I think that was my boys. They were worried that there was going to be nothing for them to eat. And I said, no, you're good. Well, I have many solutions to this problem. One, I know your, I know your boys well enough to know that they don't need plates to eat. No, I've been at your house while your boys, they, they didn't have plates. Also, like your boys know, but I think like I've been to your house twice and like it's a, it's a nice house in a, in a nice place in Austin. I assume you have more than more plates than the amount of people in the house. Like breaking one plate does not mean there's not a plate for you. It's a symbol. <laughs> well, we do have the color coding system at our house and everyone has a different color. So I think they just were thinking no one's eating here. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. You can come back and visit. You just can't stay forever. As much as I want you to, you cannot do that. You have to go live your life. I like that your kids are smart enough to go to college and dumb enough to believe that you're going to break a plate when you <laughs> they left. That's very I like that dichotomy too. It's really good. <laughs> so speaking of dichotomies, you brought them up, you know, that you can be happy and sad in one moment. I have a dichotomy for you. I feel like you and I have uh, we, we've taken a, the next step in our friendship. Uh, so I feel like I'm allowed to do this. So last month when you were on the show, you provided us with one of the greatest moments in Forte Catholic history. This show has been going for almost eight years and you gave us an incredible moment where you were, you are like, you're an Aggie fan. We, we established this. You're a very big Aggie fan, but you're not the biggest like sports fan of everything. Like you might watch stuff, but you don't know things like I do. Like I'm an avid sports fan. And I you will were not disagree with you. You don't think I'm an avid sports avid sports fan? No, no. I said I will not disagree with you in the sense that I, oh. I know fo- I know football, but I'm I not so well versed on like hockey and other sports like that. I yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well, no one cares about hockey. It's not a real sport anyway. But uh, we were talking about you were trying you the non sports person was talking to the sports person about uh, a Las Las Vegas sports team, and you kept guessing names that. The sports fan, I, I, you made me look dumb because I had no idea what you were talking about. So I just started listing off Las Vegas teams. It was this very, very funny moment. Uh, but 
you know, and, like people loved it. We shared the clip of it. And that's where I got a, um, a lot of those new followers that I got about, you know, the, the moms that all love you. And they were like, oh, here's this part. Like one time they shared, they kept sharing that video of you talking. And then I would respond and be like, hey, that guy looks familiar. And they're like, I don't know who he is. I'm like, it's me. <laughs> Ha, it's me. I'm the problem. It's <laughs> yeah, me. I am the problem. That's for sure. And they blocked me. Uh, but awesome. you and I have been messaging about it too, because it was just it was just a very funny moment and a very you moment. So the dichotomy in me is that I wanted to bring it up again. You know, your mistake that you made a month ago. But I'm a mean enough person to bring that up. But I'm also a nice enough person to let you have some redemption. You actually brought a sports topic to the show today that I'm excited to talk about. Because speaking of dichotomies. We have two varying positions on what you would like to talk about. So uh, set it up for us. What, what, what would you like to start today's show with? Well, I feel like we need to give people some background in that. If you love college football and you've been watching it for a while, when I say this name, you will be like, oh. So Johnny Football got his start at That's, it, that's his government name. Yeah, Johnny Football. Yeah, jo- Johnny Manziel <laughs> um, got dubbed Johnny Football after he played at A&M. And so he played at Tavi High. He was at Kerrville, which is a few hours away from Austin. A really dynamic, amazing football player. He's a quarterback. And so he came to A&M. And when he started for A&M was the year that we entered the SEC. And so everyone thought that the Aggies were just, it was going to be horrible, that we were going to get it handed to us, and that we were never going to be able to compete in the SEC. In fact, Texas made so much fun of us. It wasn't true that year, but it, is, it has been true the last few years. Okay, we're not okay. Focus. <laughs> I'm telling the story here, Taylor. So Texas gave us such a hard time, and I, it's another story for another topic. But now they're like, oh, now we want to join the SEC, and they are. But whatever. No one thought we were going to do well. Bottom line, and we have this quarterback. Our um, quarterback coach at the time was Cliff Kingsbury, who went on to coach for tech and then you know other places but he was johnny went on coach. to get fired from tech and yeah, fired from the Arizona Cardinals. i know yeah. and he was the former quarterback <laughs> at tech i know i feel bad for cliff but whatever i don't feel too bad for him he's gonna end up being okay but the thing was with johnny is that he had this amazing season first couple of first couple of games they kind of tamped it down and you know didn't let, let him really play the football that he's used to and that he's really good at and finally they just let him loose and when they did we went on this huge run and we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa which nobody thought we were going to do but you have to remember so this was in 2013 yes the Aggies entered the SEC in 2013 so you know he is sort of at the advent of social media when Twitter's taking off and all these sorts of things are taking off and so he's not and I don't know too many 19-year-old boys, I've had two, that make excellent decisions when they're not teen. And Johnny made a series of bad choices. And the long and short story That's of it is That's the nicest that, way to put his off-field problems. Listen, he heard. did. He did. And, <laughs> and I'm not excusing any of those. And I think he, so this documentary came out kind of talking about the untold story of Johnny Manziel. Yeah, and it just so, came out. So we're talking about something that happened yeah. many years ago, but the reason that it's in everybody, like it's in the ethosphere right Everybody's now, about is it. because the documentary just came out a few weeks ago. So I mean, I I mean I have a love for the Aggies, so it was really exciting to see the Aggies finally take care of business, like win the game that nobody thought they were going to win, and do it week after week, and have this player who brings excitement. I mean, it was an amazing season. You have to remember Taylor, like my boys were crying themselves to sleep 
almost every Aggie football game because they're like, they lost again. And I'm, I'm like, I feel you, man. I've been an Aggie fan for a long time. We've been watching this play out. So to have someone come into Kyle Field and bring this excitement, not just to football, but to the university, because if you talk to any Aggie, we are big fans of our university. So to have the rest of the world start to recognize, hey, this might be a pretty amazing place. It was a really magical time in College Station. And then a lot of choices, a lot, a lot happened, and Johnny's life really spiraled out of control. The the documentary, I mean, I think I knew some of that, Taylor, but it wasn't until I watched the whole documentary that I was struck by how low Johnny went, like as low as you can go. And I have always been a Johnny fan because I always wanted to believe that he'd get it together. And I say that because the year that he won, so he won the Heisman as a freshman, which has never happened before. He was the first one to do that. And when he came to the state legislature to be recognized at the state house, they recognized it was like Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football Day. My son, my oldest son, who's now 22, was a page that day. And so he happened to be on the floor when Johnny was there. And he got his photo taken with Johnny, and Johnny signed his little badge. And it was this huge moment for Will. And I wrote about it on my blog. I was like, people need to know this was a really cool thing. And I hammered it out, Taylor, and like, maybe five or 10 minutes. I hammered this post out, you know, an open letter to Johnny Football. Well, I didn't think much about it. I wrote it, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and someone had posted it on Texags, which is like a sports um, kind of portal where if you love Aggie athletics, you go there to talk about all the things. And then it got put on Reddit, and my site crashed because hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> were reading this letter. And Johnny tweeted it out. Like he said, it's moments like this that make me, you know, grateful for what I do. And I totally everything. forgot about this. Like I totally yeah. forgot. Like the whole time you and I were talking about talking about this topic, I was like, oh, like, because I didn't know you as well back then. Like I knew you as a famous person, like a famous Catholic, but not as a friend when you were writing this, you know? So I was like, oh, look, uh, Catherine Whitaker, she's making the news. Good for her. I totally forgot that this was a thing that happened to you. It was it was insane. I mean, I had, I've never had that many messages in my inbox. People were texting me and calling me, Catherine, did you see this? And I'm like, no, I saw it. I saw the text. Or I saw the tweet from Johnny. Don't worry. And so it was this really beautiful moment for our family because Will idolized the Aggies and to have the player that he loved at that time recognize that this was a moment. I mean, it was such a big deal. And so I always remember that 30 second interaction with Johnny. And I think everybody has good and everybody has dark inside them. And I think I always believed that Johnny would be able to get it together. And so watching him sort of spiral down from the media standpoint, and then after watching the documentary, I mean, the mom in me, really felt deeply for his parents of of how difficult it must have been to watch their son completely destroy everything that he had created and sort of how we all did it to him. The university did it to him, you know, the coaching staff, like everyone, it just snowballed, right? So he definitely had a part in it, but so many other people rode the Johnny train too. I mean, we were, I was one of them. People started reading my blog that had never read it before. It opened doors for me that you know, I never thought it could, but but really it was the interaction that he had with my son. And uh, and coincidentally, when he won or when he was installed into the 
Hall of Fame at A&M, our oldest was a Ross volunteer. They're like the honor guard for the governor of Texas. And they did the saber arch when he walked in. So it was sort of a full circle. So Will's in the documentary is kind of fun at the very beginning. Oh, you cool. see the Ross volunteers. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, my debut um, on national TV. But so it was a full circle moment for us. So I don't want to discount the really terrible choices that Johnny made, but there's a part of me, Taylor, and I think it's the mom in me that wants to believe that he can redeem himself. And I don't know what that's going to look like long-term, but I've always been a fan. I know you're not, but anyway, I'm not. I'm not. that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm not a fan. And I think it's going to lead to a pretty good conversation about people that make mistakes. Uh, because as you know, literally all of us are sinners. Uh, I've done some bad things in my past. I don't know if I've gone as far as Johnny football has, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah. So just for context, just because, uh, whenever Johnny was here at AM, like I live here now, I live 10 minutes away from the football stadium. And, but I'm currently like, I, I'm an Aggie outsider. Like we've lived here for eight years. So it's like, I like I'll root for them just cause they're here, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not part of the team, you know, like, it, like it, what's cool is like when there's a fandom of something, we've talked about this before, like the fandom uh, of the Aggies is really cool. Like going to a game as an yeah. outsider and being brought into something is really cool. And I think you, know, as, as you and I, are, I, I maybe years ago talked about, I think it was, it was when I went to my first Aggie game and you came on as a guest. Yeah. This was before even your co-hosting days. It was your tryout. And we had a great conversation about how like the church needs to be more welcoming, to its traditions, yes. like Aggie football is welcoming to me, an outsider, for its traditions. But because I'm an outsider, I don't have this, um, this like love for Johnny, and I don't have this like deep embedded love for the Aggies. Because even now, I'm still an outsider. But that, back then, I didn't even live here for the beginning of him playing. Right, so um, he did a bunch of stuff. I know I'm more of a pro fan, so like I know if it, like. His complete and utter failure in the NFL. Yeah. Like he was it's a terrible. absolute rock star in in college football. Like there's not like Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, him. Like there's 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 a like uh, Reggie Bush. Like there's a high echelon of like greatest college football players ever, and he's in wow. that group. Uh, but anyway, okay. So just in college, I know some of the pro stuff, but in college, like what were some of the things that he was getting in trouble for? Just for people who have no context of what's going on. Yeah. So, I mean, he was going out and he was drinking. There were some games that he played incredibly hungover and would have like the best game of his life. Um, they were having to pull him out of frat parties. He was getting into, you know, fist fights and th things that most college students, well, not most, some college students drink, get into fights, do all that kind of stuff. Johnny's day job, though, meant that he needed to be at practice. He needed to go to class. And after we won against Alabama, the the mob got so bad that he had to start taking classes online. And as Cliff Kingsbury, the quarterback coach, says in the documentary, that was sort of the beginning of the end in the sense that that was the last thing that Johnny needed was to be in an online environment. And this was pre-COVID, you know, to be in an online environment and not have accountability. So he had this the support system within the team and the coaching staff, but he was making terrible off-field decisions and normally, those would translate into terrible decisions on the field. But Johnny was such a good football player that he was still delivering on Saturdays. And so you had this like, well, I mean, should we? And he was, the four-string quarterback was taking all of his drug tests for him, you know, and 
everybody just kind of turned a blind eye because we needed him to play on Saturday. Of course, we don't find out about that until years later, but that those were some of the things that he was doing. That was not, that was not a good, it wasn't a good path really right. for anybody, but particularly for him, especially in such a high profile ro- role that he had in the team and at the university level. Yeah. So like the, uh, one of my one of the biggest like uh, sports podcasters in the world, uh, radio show host, TV host is Colin Cowherd, and he he talks a lot about how like he does it like you know he, he, like people make mistakes, especially people who are the most popular person from their high school, the most athletic person from the high school, like the coolest kids, like they're gonna get in trouble with drinking or drugs yeah. or doing stupid things every now and then. And he he says all the time when it comes to like the NFL draft, because obviously since Johnny was good in college, he was gonna be in the draft and go to the NFL. And he's like, I don't care if my defensive end gets a DUI. I don't care. Like, I, 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 like, I don't care as much if like my cornerback gets caught with some weed in his pocket or whatever, but he's like, if my quarterback does, I'm just out. He's just, he's just, he's just out. Right. Because quarterbacks, they are the leader of the team by default, because it's the most important uh, position in the sport. They're like, people look to them as the leader of the team. And so like, if they're doing it, like he's just out on them. And I, and I totally get that sentiment because it's like, we have a track record of, if you're a good person and a good leader, like the nerdiest, most Christian people in the NFL tend to be quarterbacks because it's like they're bland. Like, you know, like Kirk Cousins, who was just in a documentary about football this this summer, too. He's the most boring Christian nerd you've ever seen in your life. And he's been in the league for 14 years, throwing 5,000 yards a, a season because he's, he's just he's, he's steady. Right. And like, that's what people want. So I, I remember a lot of the draft coverage, like going for Johnny and everybody's saying like, okay, yeah. he's a great player. He's also, I'm exaggerating a little, but not too much. He's also five, one and 114 pounds. Like he's, he's a small kid. He's not incredibly athletic when it comes to like the NFL. Right. So there was this, for me, it was, it was like the thing that really made me not like Johnny was a lack of self-awareness. So like in college, it was, yeah, him not being aware that he's the leader, that he has held to a higher standard, that he needs to be better. And ultimately, like, if he wants to have a future and a profitable future, stop being an idiot. You know, it's like I was I was already kind of irked about it. But then, you know, like one of his nicknames was Money Mansell, right? And like, right. you know, we find out in the documentary, the, this thing that we, we were all fed this lie that his parents were oil tycoons. And that's, you know, that's why he didn't care about money. He didn't need, he, they were poor. Like th- th- we found that out in the documentary. They were poor. He was getting all this money under the table, which now is legal, but wasn't then. Like, it's just, it, it's just this whole thing. So the, the, the irony of like, I didn't like the money sign at the beginning, when he was in college when they didn't make money and then he's doing the money side when like it was just Aggie boosters. Well, and, him, you know? and it was all pre NIL, but, but I think it begs the question of who was looking out for Johnny. The university wasn't looking out for Johnny. The coaching staff wasn't, his friends weren't, you know, it's easy to get caught up. And I think that, you know, the, the, the Christian, the Christianity angle is that, that, that it's easy to get sucked in to the glamor and the flash of like, I'm amazing player. I'm getting all this coverage. Like all these things are happening so fast and furious. And then you throw, you know, a dose of social media in there. And it, and I'm like, but who, Scott and I, my husband and I talked about this. I was like, so let's play this out. No other player skyrocketed that fast, that quickly, that young in a program that was entering a major, I mean, SEC is a powerhouse in football. 
And it, it all happened so fast. And it was like, there was no rubric, like, we've never done this before. So what did we expect to happen? Of course, he's going to crash and burn. Of course, everyone is going to ride the Johnny train and profit from it. The university raid raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe it wasn't necessarily because of Johnny, but because of this, this shift in people started believing Hey, this place might be really amazing, and they the rest of the world starting to figure it out. Of Johnny's success, like it 400, worked. 300, yeah. 400 million dollar stadium. You know, like they imploded it right after he left, and we have this brand spanking new stadium. So everybody stood to profit from Johnny, except Johnny. And I think that was the 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 most difficult part to watch about that documentary. That he's a real human being a real person. And I was really struck by what his sister said is people were like, what's Johnny doing now? I think he's in, he seems to be in a better place. But his sister said, people were asking, you know, what's he doing now? And she said, Johnny's not doing anything right now. He's not in a space. And I think we would say he's not had a lot of time to reconcile and really spend time in discernment and prayer about what is next because to do that you have to be in a healthy place and I think he's getting there and I was grateful to see that but it was so hard for me to watch because I was like how did we as a community Aggies that that like really believe strongly in community and camaraderie like how did we fail him and and as a church like how are we continuing to fail people that need us most and so it it really did stir a lot in me that I felt a new, I guess, an empathy and an awareness of what really happened to him and like, what role did we all play in that? And what role do we play in that in other people in our lives currently? Like, are we allowing other people to self-destruct because we're not giving them the support that they need? Or we're throwing so much goodness at them that we're like, you're so amazing and there's no accountability. So from that perspective, it gave me a lot to think about. It was a good discussion at our dinner table, um, but I still believe, and maybe it's just because of that one really beautiful interaction that he had with Will, that I still believe that he really can get it together. And I think that if Johnny takes the time to do some deep introspection, Taylor, I believe that he can be a real beacon of hope for other young men who perhaps go really high, really fast in sports, and perhaps they can make different decisions because of his example. I, I believe he has the potential to do that down the road. So I don't know what will happen to him. There's like five different directions I want to go from, from what we've been talking about. And I know. Like, sorry. It, it, no, 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 it's not. It's a good thing because I'm like, I, I want to, I, this might end up being the whole show because there's so much I want to talk about here. And one of them being, it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm hearing you talk as an insider in both scenarios. I'm an outsider in both scenarios. I was an outsider when he was good, and I'm still an outsider whenever he's whenever he fell apart. Um, you were an insider for both, which we talked about at the beginning. It's like you loved to care for him. I did not because you're an insider. I'm an outsider. Um, but you also care for him and are like you you feel like it was your fault that he made the decisions or like like, like you know you being right. Part Collectively, of the Aggie, all of us. A, a, the yeah. Aggie community, right? When as the outsider, I'm like, I don't care about that. He he made those decisions. It's on him. You, you you even said he didn't profit from it. He profited mightily from it. You're like, everybody else profited. So did he. He made millions of dollars in college and he made millions of dollars in the pros because of all of this, right? Like maybe it wasn't good for his mental health and his decision making, but like he literally profited just like everybody else else did, right? Um, but then uh so ultimately, I don't like Johnny. I never liked Johnny. I thought it was a fun story whenever he was fun. But like immediately I saw he's too cocky. He's a jerk. He doesn't know how to handle himself. So like as a sports person, I'm like, I, you, you're talking about your kids having good interactions. I was like, 
I don't want him to be a role model for the kids that I work with. I don't want him to be a role model for my kids. I don't want him to be a role model for my track kids. Like I was working in sports in town while Johnny was like, I wasn't here for the beginning of his career. I was here for the end of his career here at a It's like, I'm coaching these kids and they're looking up to him. I'm like, why? He's a terrible person. Don't try to be like Johnny. Right. And then he goes to the NFL. And like, if I'm being honest, it was kind of fun for me to watch him fall apart in the NFL because it like proved my point that I'm like, he's not a role model. He's not a good teammate. He's not a good athlete. Like he thought, you know, it was, it was all about, for, like I mentioned earlier, but like this, this just the self-awareness, he lacked self-awareness in his abilities because he thought he could run around like he could when he was in college. But like he, he was super, super tiny white guy. And there's a 400 pound six, six black guy running a four, four chasing him. And he thought he was faster than him. Like just no self-awareness. He talked crap about his coaching staff. He talked crap about his teammates. They had a, he came into a perfect team. All they needed was a quarterback in the NFL and he imploded it himself. Like they, they were ready made. Like he got OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. Who's a a great, great college player uh, made the, probably the most famous catch in the NFL ever made him leave because he talked crap about him and his dad. What a jerk. Uh, He talked crap about like, one of the running backs that was on the verge of being cut. He got, he talked crap about him. And then the guy got cut. Like, I I just do not like him. And I was happy to see him crash and burn because I felt like it's what he deserved. Now that's a very different place (laughs) than where you are. And, uh, essentially we're going to transition to a story here in a little bit about another athlete that I felt the exact same way about that a lot of people loved. And I had a very funny moment about that. But before we get there, one, I want to let you respond to what I just said Two, um, what, what was like the main gist of the contents of that open letter that, that you sent? So what I really said was that 30 seconds, sometimes we dismiss, like it's a, it's a red lot. It's a couple of play, a couple of downs in a football game. 30 seconds goes by pretty fast in our life. And I said, but the 30 seconds that Johnny spent with my son, he's going to remember for the rest of his life. So sometimes we minimize our interaction with people in a situation thinking, oh, we just have a small amount of time and our impact is not going to be very big. And that moment, that 30 seconds that he spent with our oldest son made me recognize, you know, there are moments that you, that, that was just one of many moments that Johnny had had with multiple kids, fans, whoever, but that 30 seconds meant a lot to our family. And so I was grateful that I was going to be able to carry that with us and that it was a reminder that it's not the amount of time that you spend with someone, but like how intentional and how purposeful and how present are you to someone, whether it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes. So that was the gist of the letter. It was, it was an open letter to say thank you basically for being present to my son in that short amount of time. But I do want to respond to the part, Taylor, because I don't disagree with you. And I don't think Johnny would disagree with you and say, man, I literally made every bad choice. And he even says it in the documentary, like I was planning on killing myself. I was planning, like I was self-destructing. I was spending all my money. I didn't care anymore. Nothing was fun anymore. Like it, it all, the joy of what he had in collegiate athletics evaporated. And did he play a major role in that? 100%. And he will tell you that he did. I think the sadder part though, is that when we root against people and not for people. And I think it's easy to get frustrated or to look at someone and be like, well, you deserved it. Like I can look at my kids. Like they don't, 
take the papers in that they're supposed to that I signed to school and then they can't do the extracurricular activity. There's a part of me that wants to be like, well, I told you so. But the mom in me is like, okay, so what was the lesson that we learned from this? You know, you really wanted this thing and you didn't do this and this was the consequence. You know, we always try to let the consequence teach the lesson instead of us. And so I feel like the consequences taught Johnny the lesson. And there were many, they were harsh and they were extreme. And the choices that he made, no one will disagree, even him, that they were horrible, atrocious, that he was a a leader and he had an opportunity to influence children and fans positively and he blew it. But I think that our Christian faith reminds us that if Jesus can be merciful even to the sinner hanging next to him on the cross, that we should root for people and not against them. And I think now that we're in this new phase that Johnny's in the season of a little bit more self-awareness, a lot more self-discovery, some taking some time to get it together— I'm rooting for him because I want there to be the redemption story at the end to say, like, we are humans and we all muck it up. And his just happened to be public, right? There are plenty of people maybe listening to this and they're like, you know what? I've made similar choices and it just wasn't on national TV and pundits weren't talking about it and there wasn't a documentary about it. But our hope is that the redemption is always going to come. And I think that's the story that I'm really anxious to see how it turns out. I'm rooting for him because I believe that people have the ability to change. And what a magnificent story that would be um, to the ability to say, man, I was at the bottom of the barrel and here I am. So the bottom line is, is that I think that watching that documentary gave me a lot to ponder and the hope that Maybe we we all need to extend other people forgiveness. We need to hold people accountable for the bad choices that they make and that we should be rooting for people, not against them. And I think that it's it's just tra- how it all ended to me was incredibly tragic because it, it was it could have gone so well and instead it went so wrong. Our friends over at the Catholic Man Show have a message they'd like for you to hear today. They've partnered with the Catholic Customs Company, who built Sister Wilhelmina's Shrine. It sounds like one of Chris Bartlett's kids. Sister Wilhelmina for an epic giveaway. It is important to have a place to pray in your home. That's why they're giving away a free custom home altar by Catholic Customs Company to sanctify your home. This home altar is over $1,700 in value, and they'll also pay the shipping costs to get the altar to your home. The second place winner will also receive a five-volume hardback set of the Summa Theologica, which weighs approximately 18 billion pounds. Not a bad second-place prize. The giveaway, the giveaway ends on September 14th. You can enter the giveaway in 10 different ways. All you need to do is go to thecatholicmanshow.com slash home altar. That's thecatholicmanshow.com slash home altar. The link is in the description here of the show for your chance to win this beautiful home altar. Again, that is not Chris Bartlett's child, but sounds like it. Sister Wilhelmina's Shrine. You can win it. It's almost $2,000 in value, and you can win it for free. Again, go to thecatholicmanshow.com slash home altar for your chance to win this almost $2,000 worth of prizes. The rooting thing is a part of sports, right? So, like, in the Christian life, we should be rooting for the other people. Like, I... I guess ultimately I I would love for him to have a redemption story. And it actually plays into one of the reasons that I didn't like him. One of the reasons I didn't like him is because I was in town and seeing how his bad example was influencing right. the young people at right. the school that I worked That's with. Fair. Right? They all wanted to be him. And if we're being honest, a lot of them 
kind of acted like him in college. And it's like he was he right. was, you know, a, a, a surrogate for or a replacement for God. Right. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to be like God. I want to be like Johnny Football. Everybody loves Johnny Football. He's cool. They killed God. They, 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 you know, like, like, um, God. So like there is this like the sports fan in me and the Christian in me kind of for, uh, going against each other because it's like. Mm-hmm. I do root against people that I don't like in sports. And I no, I mean, I, I'm with you. I didn't love, I mean, it it caused a lot of conversations at our dinner table. I did not want my boys emulating that behavior either. I was like, so we need to separate the football player that you love. Who's a, he was so much fun to watch. And I said, I don't want you to lose that love, but you are going to be in major trouble in my house if you pull some of the stunts that he pulled off the field. Like right. that is unacceptable. So yeah, it was, it, there was a lot of discussions at our, I mean, I just, in fact, I just washed, we have a Johnny football shirt that my eighth grader uh, was wearing the other day and I just watched it ju- <laughs> and I just hung it up just before we started recording. So <laughs> and I mean, it just the irony, but, but my boys wear those shirts every week. So uh, here's my question for you. I've looked pretty bad in this conversation. I have a question for you and it got in regards to Rudick. Do you wish the best for every UT Longhorn football player? Do Absolutely you, not. Do, do you wish nope. they're good? Do you wish they nope. do you wish for them to have great redemption? See, okay. Nope. That makes Never. me feel a little better about myself. But uh there is this interesting thing because like um I've had a similar conversation like this before where I ended up looking like the bad guy. Uh in regards to like, yes, I um I I agree with you in the point that I I hope that Johnny has a redemption arc. Kind of because I want the the kids that looked up to him to see that he that everything that he did that he admits the mistakes that they were wrong and right. that he wishes things went differently and like I mean honestly even them hearing that like he was suicidal at the point where it looked like everything was going perfectly for him like those are all right. good conversations for those young people that are in my mind who who idolize this guy to hear but I think it'd also be great for them to hear this redemption story right so similar story uh, with another athlete that I hated. Uh, an athlete that I hated because of how he acted on the court, because of the kind of teammate that he was, because of the kind of the leader that he wasn't uh, pretty, pretty, pretty great basketball player, one by the name of Kobe Bryant, who actually, as we record this today, it is Mamba Day today. This is go- going out next week, but we are recording on 824. The two numbers that he had in his career, why did he change his numbers? Because he had a big scandal. And he didn't want to be associated with the number anymore. But the reason that he has two numbers is because he made mistakes, but also like, we are recording this on August 24th, 824. It's Mama Day, where we remember his passing three or four years ago, whenever it was, right? Um, the morning that he passed away, I'm giving away the, the big the big lead. I, I said everything I'm about to tell you to the group of these boys, the same boys that we're talking about, the same boys that idolized Johnny Manziel, who, uh, you know, uh, were kind of the tail end. They're a little bit younger than like, you know, they weren't seniors when Johnny was, you know, like those were the kids that got into drinking and drugs that probably shouldn't have. These kids were kind of the good kids, but kind of at the tail end of like still idolized. I'm still kind of acted like him on the field, on the court, whatever. And it annoyed me. And I'm talking to them about, I'm trying to instill in these young kids. They, we were talking about um, life choices and the importance of avoiding, avoiding sin and avoiding mistakes, which is like a big part of the Christian life. Right. And I was right. literally telling them, because they all love Kobe. And it was kind of this whole thing. You know, everybody, whenever they shoot a piece of trash into the trash can, what do they yell? <laughs> Kobe! You know, like, so they yeah. were doing that. So, like, we were talking about 
forgiveness. And they kind of challenged me on this because we're like, they're like, Taylor, I thought you were supposed to be a good Catholic. Why aren't you loving Kobe Bryant? Why aren't you forgiving Kobe Bryant? And I was like, okay, there's some nuance here, right? Where it's like, I hated Kobe. I hated how he played on the court. And then I was, again, kind of like with Johnny, I was kind of vindicated because it was kind of the I was right thing. He had the huge, big cheating scandal and it's horrible. The the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of the other people. Like, Like, he's just not a person that I want I don't look up to like, and it was one of those similar things with Johnny where it's like everybody else loved him. And I felt like I was the only person seeing it. I'm like, why do you all love this guy? He's a terrible person, you know? Um, but everybody's idolized. So it made me like even firmer in the, I don't like this person camp because everybody else loved him. Right. Um, but then, you know, but by, by the time we're having this conversation three, four years ago, what, what, what I always forget three and a half. Uh, it was the January of 2020. Was it? Okay, so mm-hmm. Jan- January of 2020. So that was yeah, three three and a half years. You're right. Okay, so um, aren't you impressed that I know the date? I, I am impressed. Okay. Very good googling. That was okay. great. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even Google it. I didn't even Google. It. <laughs> I was like, I was looking up for a little while. Maybe she. Uh, I was thinking. I went. No, I think I look no, up because I, I think that my thoughts are up there for some reason. Um, but that's the date that we were having this conversation. Essentially, what I was the the point that I was trying to get across is yes. As Catholics, we should forgive people. We should move on. But I was like, if you make mistakes, people are going to remember them. And I was trying to get them to like not have sex before they're married. Like they're going off to college. I'm preparing these kids to go off. I'm like, don't have sex. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink. I know you're probably going to, but at least be safe about it. Don't do drugs. Don't be a jerk to your teammates like Kobe and John. I'm I'm, I'm like, so I'm essentially saying, but they're like, oh, but like he's retired now and life has slowed down. Like in a similar place where Johnny kind of is now a little bit more introspective and like he's. You know, at this point, he had made up with his wife and he was he was being a good father and he was going to mass. Like all these stories that were coming out that like he's going to mass and he's going to confession. I'm like, that's great. I'm happy for him and I'm proud that he is doing those things. But you know what I'm never going to be? I am never going to be a fan of Kobe Bryant. Never. He's done too much. I'm happy that he's forgiven. I'm happy that God has forgiven him. I'm happy that he's doing better. But I'm never going to put him as a beacon of... Sure. Yeah, to look up to, and like, if he was a fr- like, if he had been a friend of mine, he would no longer be a friend of mine. Like, that's not the kind of person that I want to be friends with. I can forgive him, but I'm telling him I'm moving on, right? So I'm telling these kids, right. it's like, look, you can make mistakes, and God will forgive you, but that doesn't mean that people will. And even if people do well, forgive you, it doesn't mean that, like, you I, might break relationships, right? And that's the say, point I that I was making. And yeah. then an hour later, he dies, and I'm getting text messages like. They literally said I killed Kobe. Like because you talked about, they're like you're oh. speaking ill of the dead. I was like he wasn't dead then. Like, I, I don't know. To- right. <laughs> but but the point is is that when you make bad choices, yes, they affect you, but you wound other people. Yeah. And I think as I watched that documentary, the laundry list of people that were wounded because he was, you know, insecure, immature, all the things. It, it was hard to watch, Taylor. And so I'm not sitting here trying to convince you that you should love Johnny. I think that we all need people to love us in our life. But I also recognize that sometimes the wounds that people inflict upon you are deep and they are wide. And it is okay to look at them and forgive them for the choices that they made. And then for you to put up a healthy boundary and say, but I can no longer 
be your friend. I can no longer, you know, be in your inner like. And I think you saw that in the documentary that some of his friends were like, listen, we have, we have moved to a new place, but we can no longer be in a relationship. Yeah. And I think that's the harsh reality is that you can get your redemption story, but you cannot unwound people that you wound. It's not possible. You can reconcile, you can move forward, but those are that's real pain that was really inflicted on real people. And it was a reminder to me to think about where are the places in my life that I have, and we've all done it, where have I wounded someone? And is it fixable? Can we move in a better place? Or do I need to forgive and move forward? And I think that's a question all of us have to ask ourselves. I like that. And I like that we uh, we started off in very different camps, and I think we ended in a very similar one, which is good. That's, I'm, glad, I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's this idea that like choice, uh, our choices, our sins, our mistakes can be forgiven, but they still have consequences, right? Like, of course they do. Um, they, they still have consequences. They, feel, they still affect the other body, the body of Christ. And there's something about um, tribes, right? So like fandom of a sports team or fandom of whatever. Like we have our little tribes. Like we have our family and kind of our neighbors and our neighborhood, our church. You know, we have all these little tribes that we're in. And it is like when people make mistakes like this, like with Johnny, like you are part of the tribe. You're part of the Aggie tribe. You have these interactions with them. You, you like your kids have these, like you are part of the tribe. So it makes sense that like you as a like practicing Catholic, somebody who's holy and trying to do the right thing that you as part of the tribe are like, look, yes, I'm admitting that he's wrong, but like, I still want what's best for him. And like, if I could help with that, that'd be great. And then there's another person who uh, less of a good Catholic, but still trying. Who's like, but I'm not part of the tribe though. There's something to that of like, yes. Would I, would I ultimately like him to have a redemption arc and for him to get his life together, for him to have a great relationship with God and like be an ambassador for the Aggies, be an ambassador for God, be an ambassador for redemption, be an ambassador for like, don't make decisions like this in college. I would love that. Right. Um, but I, 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 honestly don't care either way. I'm just not part of the tribe. Right? I like, I hadn't thought about Johnny Manziel in since he left the NFL. I, I, I just haven't thought about him once. Cause I'm just like, he was just a, he was like a, the, like the Icarus story. He got so close to the sun and he burned and he's like, that's a story. That is a lesson. Yeah. Don't, you know, like literally like, like you said, he, I forget your exact wording, but you use fire, a fire symbolism. Like he burns so hot, like so quickly, right? It's yeah. literally Icarus, right? And that is a cautionary tale for, for people to yeah. see. Ultimately, I, I, it would be great for him, but I just don't care as much as you do because I'm, I'm not part of the tribe, right? So there is something of like, if we have family members that do things that are wrong, it's like, there's got to be a little bit more forgiveness and like moving forward. Like, you know, like you, you have these feelings of motherhood. Too. I don't have feelings of motherhood. He, what he feels like to me is the quarterback of the opposing team. Like, I hope he, yeah, I, I, I hope fair. he loses, you know? Um, That's but fair. like when it comes to like my, my kids and like my, my, like my, my wife, my kids, like my parents, my sisters, my uh, extended family. And then like, especially like literally these kids that I coach have been in my mind this entire time. Cause anytime I think about sports and role models, that's who I'm thinking about. Right. It's like, if they make mistakes, I'm a lot more forgiving of them than I am of somebody, a quarterback for a team that I didn't really care about. So. But I mean, isn't that the lesson, Taylor, is that in order for us to affect change, we have to be in relationship with people. So it's super easy for me to look at people like Kobe Bryant or Johnny Manziel. I'm not in relationship with them, right? Like, I'm not a close friend. I'm not a family member. And I think we often look at other people and make judgments about the choices that they make. Yes, he has influence and all those sort of things. But what I'm talking about is 
we often build these narratives around people that we don't know well. And I'm like, but do you know, like, do you know the full story? Like that documentary gave us some of the story, but I don't know the full story. I'm not in relationship with Johnny, but I am in relationship with my children. And so I can help affect change in their lives, much like all of us. I think it's a real call for us to be careful in the people in which we choose to lay judgment upon because we don't know the full story. And so I think that's where we have to root for people and whether we're in their camp or not. But I think that's when you have to take a long, hard look at the real people that you have a real relationship with in your life and say, am I being the kind of friend, the kind of family member that God is calling me to be? And if I'm not, then I need to f- either need to address something within myself or I need to be a better advocate for whoever that may be in my life. So I think it's a reminder to be in relationship with people and to, and to be really present to them because we can affect change with those people that then affect the world. And so my hope is, is that the people that he is in relationship with are doing that for him. I hope so too. And it's interesting that, that we, that you bring it there. Cause like I, that's something that I've been dealing with in my own mind for a while. Like it took, I thought being a Christian 10 years ago, I thought being a Christian meant that I had to forgive everyone and be, stay in relationship with everyone that hurt me no. or hurt somebody I cared about. Right. Nope. So that was a big, like, ex- like that was a big, like epiphany for me. If like, no, mm-hmm. I can forgive you even if it's hard. Sure. And like, that's where I came up with the whole, like, you know, the whole 70 times seven thing. Like I'm on forgiveness number 302. Like I'm still not quite there yet. Like I'm still working, working. through the process, but there are people that I have completely 100% cut out of my life and it has been great. It's been good for me. It's yes. been good for my family. It's been good for my faith. It's been like, it was the right choice. There are other people though. And this, like, that's not the part I'm struggling with. It's not the people that I've completely cut out. It's the people there. There have been some people that I have been close to in my past that have been popping up a lot in my mind recently where I'm having to discern and decide are these people where it would be healthier for me to just completely cut out or have I been a bad friend? Have I, do do I need to reconcile? Do I need to do these sorts of things? Right. So that's an interesting discernment with two valid choices. I mean, I'm sure there's a plethora amongst the two, but essentially ultimately it's like, do I stop having a relationship with them or do I try to rebuild a relationship? Right. So it's, it's, it's this interesting tribe thing of like, they used to be in my tribe and then something happened and there are multiple things happened and they're no longer in my tribe. But there are some people, I'm not talking about the people I've completely cut out. There's a good thing. I'm talking about the people that are kind of on the fringes of like, am I being a jerk? You know, so like that's part of the Christian life is yes, forgiveness, but also deciding who's going to be part of my tribe. Who's going to still be part of my life. I can forgive them from afar or I can forgive them up close. Either way, I'm forgiving them. But uh, but making that decision has been uh, interesting lately. Well, and I think we have to be willing reconciliation is hard, particularly, and I think in that, that spot, Taylor, that you're talking about where it's not the black or the white, it's the gray part, right? And you're like, I need, and I, I think it's a real call to all of us. And I'm including myself in this because I'm thinking of a certain relationship that like, am I doing my part to reconcile? And am I making a choice based on love and not of pride? Like, am I really coming from a place of real thoughtfulness, real discernment, deep prayer, a lot of reflection and love, or am I just feel like I just need to make a point, you know? And so do I need to do deep heart work or do they? And that takes time. And I think we sometimes rush through that because we either want to cut them out 
or move forward when really we need to address the elephant in the room, so to speak, before we can go one way or the other. And that's hard, Taylor. Nobody are you talking, are you talking about me? Am I the person in that example? <laughs> you. You're the problem. No, it's not you. So uh, we're, we're going to close with this. We've, we, we meant to do three whole sets, uh, uh, topics today like we normally do. I think this might be our first ever like one segment show ever. So we're, we're like, last time, last episode that you and were And I was on, on your turf, Taylor. We talked all about sports. We did. We did. And we were on different sides of it. It was very, very fun. Um, but I jokingly said, are you talking about me? Because I do think that you, I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, kind of as a setup for this point that I thought was going to be a different segment. We're just going to close with this. You and I's friendship reached a new level yesterday afternoon at 2.23 in the afternoon. Do you remember what you said to me at uh, yesterday you, afternoon at 2.23? Yes, I told you to shut up. You sure did. Said, <laughs> Which is I so said I funny. can hear you laughing. Yeah. yeah because here's what you sent me. Uh, you, you you asked me, uh, I, like, I we work on editing stuff together. Like, I edit, I edit multiple of your shows. You're on this show. Like, I'm editing you a lot, right? Uh, you texted me, hey, if I'm recording in Audacity, which is this uh, recording software, uh, do I export to a Wave or an MP3? And I said, Wave. And then you said Sable, S-A-B-L-E. And then you immediately sent me what I read first as Dank, which, and then you <laughs> said hashtag, I don't know if you want me to... Uh, is so, so say it's fine. Okay. It's fine. You say said it. hashtag damn you autocorrect, um, which I was like, I laughed and I said, neither made sense because I was like, why are you saying dank? That's a word from like 28 years ago, like the last time you were cool, you know? Danke is like, thank <laughs> you in German. Uh, and then I finally realized that you were using a different language, which is why your autocorrect said sable, which is very funny. And then you said, shut up. I can hear you laughing. And we reached a new moment. Because I was 100% sitting right here at this computer laughing at you. You said shut mm -hmm. up to me, which I don't let people outside of my tribe tell me to shut up. So it was just very funny thing where if somebody else tells me to shut up, if it's a guy, I'm punching them. If it's a woman, I'm probably yelling at them. But you said it. And you know what I did? I laughed I immediately. Laughed. You're in the tribe. <laughs> Ooh, I can stay. <laughs> it was oh so very gosh. funny. So I, I'm happy that you and I's friendship took the next level. I hope the best for Johnny football. I hope that he becomes a beacon of light and hope because he uh, uh, let himself into darkness. I might have taken some people with him. So I hope that there's some redemption there. And I think in, in regards to redemption, you redeemed yourself today. You look like the worst Did sports I? person oh. ever last month. And now you look like a very, very good sports person. I'm proud of you. See, don't, grown. don't judge people, Taylor. <laughs> people can change, man. All right. Well, well that is, that, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, when we talk about Aggie football, I actually do know what I'm talking about. So and this is. It's this that might be the one topic where you know more about the sport than I do because I don't care about Aggie college football. I just don't. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, awesome. all right. Well, that's that's our one segment show. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm Taylor Scholl. I'll be back next week. That's Catherine Whitaker. She'll be back in a month. See ya.
Thank y'all for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed our very rare one segment show. I mean, it was a, still a full lake show because we talked forever, but uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with Catherine. I hope that you did too. If you did, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening, especially if you're watching on YouTube. We got a bunch of stuff going on on, on YouTube these days. We've got not only this show every single week, we've got our Catholic Foundation series that can help you brush up on your Catholic knowledge. It's a 10 week course on Catholicism, free right there on youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. We've also got our Catholic Perspective series where we look at some of our favorite movies and TV shows, books, that sort of thing. We've also got talks and music and all sorts of stuff all on youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. We hope that you enjoy it. But until next time, love you.